Hello! Welcome to Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Weldon. Today's story is Nian, the Beast of Chinese New Year, an adaptation of the origin story of Chinese New Year by Daniel Hines. Today, we'd like to say a special thank you to Austin, Sloan, and Debbie and their family, Sai and Veer and their family, Evie, Nola, and Clara and their family, and Jack and Marin and their family. Thank you so much, Marin, Jack, Clara, Nola, Evie, Veer, Sai, Debbie, Sloan, and Austin. You are part of what makes it possible for us to continue to produce fun new stories for our listeners. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash stories. And since we've had some questions, here's how it works. Pledge just $1 a month to get all the episodes ad-free and perks like early looks at episodes and the story songs album. Pledge $5 a month to get all those perks plus a thank you in a future episode. Pledge $10 a month and get all the perks, a thank you in an episode, and we'll ship you a beautifully illustrated version of our logo as an 8x10 poster. You can see what it looks like and make your pledge at patreon.com stories, and you can pause your monthly pledge at any time. Remember, patreon.com stories. Thanks! Enjoy the episode! Nian, the Beast of Chinese New Year Once upon a time, in ancient China, there was a little village nestled into the fertile land where the mountains met the sea. The village was small, but it was rich in two things, rice and children. It was the rice that got them into trouble, but it was a child who saved them, who, perhaps, saved all of China, from the terror of the monster Nian. All right, little Jew, here's your tea. Be careful not to spill. A small girl sat on a terraced hill nearby her home, cradling a cold cup of tea in her delicate hands. Across the coarse woven blanket, a doll that looked just like her sat propped against a stone, a cup resting against her legs. Isn't it pretty here, little Jew? This is my favorite spot. From where the pair sat, the hill rolled gently down to a beach of golden sand. The waves licked at the shore with chilly tongues of froth, and the adults were buttoning up the storage sheds that bulged with grains and fish, heavy with seasonings and preserving salts. Jew, where are you? Mother's voice rolled up the hill. Here I am. We're having a picnic. Mother crested the hill and gave Jew a smile, but her eyes were on the horizon. The sun was still bright, but it was sinking fast casting a dull, reddish glow across the sea. She dumped the cold tea from the cups, piled them onto the blanket, and folded in the corners to make a tight little bundle. Come now, child. We need to get home. Hey, I wasn't done. You're done now, Jew. It's time for bed, Mother said, and pressed little Jew into her arms. Bed? It's not even dark yet, Jew said with a pout. Little Jew dangling from her arms, hair trailing in the dirt. No arguments. Get home and get in bed. Now. With that, Mother turned and started back down the hill toward their little wooden home. Jew stuck her tongue out at Mother's back, but followed down the hill behind her. Why are we going to bed so early? I said no arguments. I'm not arguing. I'm just asking. Mother pushed open the door to their house. Jew was surprised to see father sitting just inside the door, 
an old field hoe across his lap. Your daughter is full of questions today. She takes after her mother, father said, giving Jew a wink. He had the metal of the hoe in one hand and was running a wet stone over the edge. What are you doing, father? Nothing you need to worry over, Jew. Take little Jew and get in bed. The sun will be setting soon and you best be asleep before then. But why? Father laughed and set aside the hoe and stone, pulling Jew onto his lap. Mother's right. You are full of questions today. Only because no one is answering any. When you're older, my love. Now best go to bed before your mother gets angry with us. How could I be angry with my two favorite people? Mother said, scooping up Jew and carrying her to bed. Best sleep now, Jew. But I'm not tired, Jew protested. I'm a big girl now. I can stay up past dark. Here, said Mother, passing her a steaming cup of tea. One big sip for my big girl. Jew took the steaming mug and eyed it suspiciously. What's in it? Red ginseng, sweet dreams, and magic honey. Now drink. Jew took a big sip, the tea spreading warm and velvety down her throat and into her belly. She pulled little Jew tight and snuggled under her covers. Mother sat on the edge of her bed and stroked her hair. From the other room, she could hear the coarse, rasping song of her father sharpening the hoe blade. Ching! Ching! As the last of the sun yawned a burning red over the sea, Jew let herself slip into sleep, and was suddenly snapped awake again, some hours later, by a terrible crashing sound. Jew pulled the blankets up over her head and shut her eyes tight, trying to fall back asleep, but another crash came from outside, this time followed by a deep and guttural, Roar! Jew rolled from her bed and fell to the floor, tangled in her blankets. She wormed her way free and padded to the bedroom door on silent feet. From the other room, she could hear her parents talking in urgent whispers. Our harvest! Our fish! Mother hissed, near tears. We've gotten by every other year. We'll get by this year, too, said her father, emotionless as the rock that parts the river. Curse this beast! Shh, my love. You don't want to wake Jew. There was another crash this one so near it shook the house, and Jew burst through the door, throwing herself into her mother's lap. Jew, go back to sleep. What's going on? What's that noise? Another crash, this one even closer, and now Jew could hear heavy footsteps, could smell the thick, musky smell of a wild animal, a big one. Shh, said father, finger to his lips. He held the sharpened hoe in his hands, gripped so tight his arms were trembling. From outside the door there came a snuffling noise. Then again, louder. Then something heavy threw itself against the wood, making it groan on its hinges. Jew noticed then that father had put a thick board across the door and nailed it into place. What is that? She started to ask her mom, but the words froze on her lips. Through the gap between the bending door and the frame, Jew caught a glimpse of the monster. It was a giant ox, taller than her father and wider than a wagon. It didn't have the friendly bovine face of an ox, though. It had the fierce mane and jaws of a lion, opened wide and full of hooked yellow teeth. From the center of its shaggy forehead sprouted a single needle-sharp horn, and its eyes were glossy black from lid to lid. 
Ju clung to her mother and shut her eyes, afraid the monster would break down their door. But there was only silence. A few moments later, the monster's stomping footsteps retreated, and it went in search of easier food. Mom, said Ju, I want to be asleep again. You can go with her, said father to mother. I'll call if I need you. Mother nodded and carried Ju back to bed, climbing in right beside her. What was that? Ju whispered into her mother's flower-scented hair. A bad dream, Ju. Just a bad dream. Back to sleep and it'll all be better in the morning. They laid there in silence, and many hours later, in the first earnest light of dawn, Ju finally fell back to sleep. The next day, Ju woke to her parents eating in the kitchen. She rolled from her bed and stumbled from her room, still rubbing the sandy sleep from her eyes. Look who's finally awake! What's for breakfast? Lunch, actually, said Mother. I slept that late? Wow. Suddenly, Ju remembered the night before. The crashing, the roaring, all of it. Wait! What about the monster? We need to run! Ju's parents looked at each other, and then her mother sighed. I suppose she's old enough to know. Father nodded and then turned to Ju, laying his hands over her shoulders. We've kept this secret from you, from all the young ones in the village, but you're too old and you've seen too much for us to hide it any longer. The monster you saw is named Nien, the beast. He sleeps all year but awakens every spring to eat. What does he eat? whispered Ju, eyes wide. Our rice and fish and livestock. Never so much that we starve, but always so much that we cannot prosper. We've tried to move the village, but he follows. So now we just bar the doors and leave open a couple storage sheds for him to ravage. We should stop him. Brave Curl, laughed Father. Many have tried, Warrior Jew, but the monster is magic and so cannot be harmed. It is our curse to feed him and to repair the damage he leaves in his wake. Well, will he come back soon? Father nodded gravely. Tonight, for certain, and possibly the night after that as well, but then we shall be free of him for another year. And now it's time I go back to help with the village repairs. That monster tore three sheds to splinters and left not a grain of rice to be found. I'll come help, said Mother. Ju, you stay in the village today. I want you back inside before sundown. Yes, Mother, said Ju, thinking of that hideously horned lion's face from the night before. She followed her parents from their house and sat in the village square, playing with Little Ju while they went to work. It was hard to have much fun. Everyone seemed tense, and not a minute went by that Ju didn't feel her eyes drawn to the sun, watching it for any sign of setting. It was early afternoon when a lookout perched on top of the village meeting house called down to the workers. Cart coming in! Ju jumped up. A cart meant a peddler, one of the traveling merchants that crisscrossed the country trading this for that and that for the other. Last time the peddler had come through, Jew's father had traded salted fish for matching silks for her and little Jew. A few minutes later, the cart pulled into the village square. It was pulled by an old ox and driven by an even older man, hair and mustache flowing down to his waist in a single snow-white mass. The adults all stopped their work and crowded around, trading for a bundle of herbs or a healing tincture or other small treasures. Unfortunately, Nien the beast had left them little to spare, so all too soon they drifted back to work, 
leaving the old man to pack up his cart once more. Jew drifted over, watching with great interest as he sorted his bundles and restacked them onto the cart. Ho there, little one, said the old man with a kindly smile. Is there something you're looking to trade? I don't have anything, Jew said sadly. Are you sure about that? Why, I think I see something there behind your ear. He reached out to Jew's ear, and when he pulled his hand back, Jew was astonished to see a small copper coin gleaming in the sun. Hey, where did you get that? Jew felt around her ears, but there were no other coins there. The old man winked. Not everything can be explained, and not everything is as it seems. Now, for your one coin, I can give you three things. He rummaged in his packs. Where did I leave? Oh, come on. Ah, here it is. He pulled out an oversized robe of deep red silk and tossed it to Jew. When she put it on, it covered her from neck to ankles. A robe! I love it! What's next? The old man laughed, pulled out a small wooden box, plain and simple, and handed it to Jew. What is it? Look inside! Jill lifted the lid, and inside was a beautiful plum blossom, blushing a deep red. It's awfully pretty! Isn't it, though? What's it for? As I said before, not everything can be explained, and not everything is as it seems. That will have to be answer enough for now. And what's the third thing? You said you had three. Smart girl. The third isn't a thing you can hold with your hands, but it's just as pretty as a flower and very special. What is it? You hold it in your mind, carry it with your lips, and though it weighs nothing, it can move even the strongest man. Can you guess what it is? Jew thought, chewing on a string of little Jew's hair. Finally, it came to her. It's a song! The old man laughed a happy laugh. Right you are! And even among songs, this is a special one. Are you ready for it? Yes, yes! When the beast comes to feast, rice and fish, his favorite dish. At your village he will pillage, no human spear can harm him. Nien the beast, he is released by spirits wild and is exiled by banners red and thunderhead and fire will disarm him. The old man finished his song and swung back onto his cart. Jew watched him, mouth agape. Nien, but he was just here. How did you know? Not everything can be explained, and not everything is as it seems, the old man said with a smile, and then he clucked at his ox and started off down the road. Wait, I have more questions. And you always will, he called over his shoulder as he rolled down the road. Jew watched him go, thinking about the song. She must have been thinking for a while because next thing she knew, the sun was belly low on the horizon and her parents were calling her to come home. Where'd you get that pretty robe, Jew? Mother asked as she walked in the door. From the peddler. The peddler? What did you trade? Well, 
I didn't think I had anything, but then he found a copper coin behind my ear, and then he traded me the coin for this robe and a flower and a song. Her parents smiled at each other. Copper behind the ear, huh? You're a lucky girl. Jew nodded and headed to her room. After last night, she wanted to be sure she was asleep before dark, before the monster came. She climbed into bed, still wearing her red silk robe and holding tight the box with the red plum blossom inside. As she snuggled down to sleep, she couldn't seem to get comfortable. She twisted this way and turned that way and took the robe off and put it back on and nothing seemed to work. Then, all at once, she realized she didn't have little Jew. She must have left her outside in the village square. She sprang from her bed and ran to the door. Outside, the sun was just beginning to sink below the horizon, but the square wasn't far. Behind her, she could hear her mother and father talking in the kitchen. If she ran real fast, they wouldn't even realize she had gone. I'm coming, little Jew. I won't let the monster get you. Box in hand, red silk robe flapping about her heels, Jew ran through the village. When she got to the square, she didn't see little Jew anywhere. She looked by the stores and by the road and under a porch and was near tears when she finally found the doll half-buried in the dirt. Look at you, little Jew. You're a mess. You need a bath. As Jew turned to head home, she suddenly realized it had grown very dark. Jew! Jew, where are you? It was her father. She could see him walking down the path, a brightly burning torch in one hand and his sharpened hoe in the other. And now you've got me in trouble. Jew said to Little Jew. Father, I'm here. Jew, I need you to run home as fast as you can and bar the door behind you. Now, Jew, run. There was a terrible roar from behind her. So close, the monster must have been nearly on top of her. Jew took off running, her bare feet flying over the dirt path home. Father, come on, she cried as she ran past him. Get home and bar the door. Don't argue, Jew, just go. Jew ran faster than she ever had, tears standing in her eyes. When she got to the house, she could hear her father yelling behind her. Come on, monster. Come on, Nien the beast. That's right, forget her. I'm the one you have to deal with. Jew ran through the door and slammed into her mother. They both went sprawling on the floor. Little Jew in the wooden box went flying. Jew, my Jew, said her mother, pulling her tight and covering her with kisses. Where is your father? He's fighting the monster. What? No! Mother struggled to her feet and went to the door. Father! Father! Jew crawled over to Little Jew and snuggled the doll tight. Then she remembered the box and went looking for that, too. She found it under the table, but the lid had popped off. Hey, what's this? Inside, the red plum blossom was gone. In its place was a small red tube. One end was pointed. The other had a curling string coming out of it. A firework? She heard the old man's voice in her mind. Not everything can be explained, and not everything is as it seems. Jew paused, and all at once she realized the truth of the old man's song. It wasn't just a song, it was instructions on how to defeat the monster. Banner's red was her red silk robe. Thunder and fire, it all made sense. She grabbed the firework in one little hand and patted her doll on the head with the other. Sorry, little Jew. You better stay home this time. Her mother was still standing in the door, calling for her father. Jew thought about explaining about the song and the firework and everything, but she didn't have time. Father needed her. Mother! 
she yelled, and when her mom whirled to look, Ju ran by her, sprinting as fast as she could on her tiny bare feet. Ju, no! Ju could see her father ahead. His hoe was snapped in two, and a long cut stretched across his forehead. Nien the beast was growling in front of him. He would snap forward, biting at the air, and father would scare him back with the torch. But each time the monster was getting a little closer, father moving a little slower. Father, I'm here, said Ju, sprinting up to him over the well-worn path. Ju, no, go home. The monster lunged again and father waved the torch. The flames licked at the beast's nose and he gave an ear-splitting roar of rage. I know how to scare off the monster. What? said father, desperately waving the torch and trying to keep himself between Jew and the monster. How? Monster, look at me, Jew called, and Nien turned his great lion's head to stare at her. When he saw the flowing red of her robe, he grunted and took a step back. How did you do that, Jew? He's afraid of the color red and fire and thunder. We can scare him away. Nien the beast stalked around them in angry circles, teeth gleaming, horns shining wickedly. Finally, it worked itself up into a charge. The mighty ox body drove forward, slamming into father and knocking him flat onto his back, the torch rolling to a stop at Ju's feet. Jew, run! But Jew wouldn't run. She wasn't afraid. She picked up the torch and stood over her father. The monster eyed her red robes and roared again, torn between anger and fear. You leave my village alone! Jew cried, and she touched the end of the firework to the torch. The string lit, hissing like a snake, burning, burning, burning towards the rocket body of the firework. Nien the beast roared again and started to charge, but then the flame disappeared, and the rocket ignited with a roar of its own. Like a shooting star, it leapt gracefully forward, riding a trail of fire, and exploded right in the face of the monster with a resounding crackroom. Red spinning sparks shot out in every direction and lit up the night with fire. The beast backed away, bellowing in pain and fear and hunger. Jew! It was Mother, leading the other villagers. How did you do that, Jew? He's afraid of fire and loud noises and the color red. Everyone help! Torches were lit and red sheets were fetched and metal bowls were brought out from kitchens. The monster roared and roared but didn't come any closer. Instead, it was Jew who led the crowd towards the beast. A hundred people throwing torches and waving red sheets and banging metal bowls and clapping and shouting and roaring back at the beast who had made their lives so hard. Finally, the monster reached its limit, and with a final roar, it turned and fled back into the wilds. The crowd lifted Jew and her father high into the air, cheering her name as the beast disappeared into the darkness, never to be seen again. And the next night, and every year since, the village and all of China have a giant New Year celebration to keep Nian the Beast away. In fact, in Chinese, the word for New Year's in English means to pass over Nian or overcome Nian, which is exactly what the villagers did, with the help of a young girl and a wise old man. And at their New Year celebration, they wear red and hang red banners and play loud music. And of course, there are plenty of fireworks. The end. Today's story, Nian, the Beast of Chinese New Year, was an adaptation of the origin story of Chinese New Year by Daniel Hines, performed by me, Amanda Weldon. 
Don't forget to check out our album on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you can download the whole thing for free from our Patreon page. If you'd like to become a Patreon subscriber and receive a thank you in a future episode, please visit patreon.com stories and make a pledge. Then send an email to amanda at storiespodcast.com and tell us who we should thank. Thanks for listening!